Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the sixth edition of our program, which aired during the second weekend of February 2020, we examined the topic of gender intelligence and recognizing and encouraging female leaders in the workplace. Tiffany O'Donnell is CEO of Women Lead Change, based in Cedar Rapids. You might recognize the group by a different name. That's where we started the conversation when I spoke with Tiffany O'Donnell at the Women Lead Change offices in downtown Cedar Rapids on February 3rd. We are now known as Women Lead Change, and what is missing from the current name is the word Iowa. Um, A lot of people know us as Iowa Women Lead Change because we are an organization proudly founded um, and headquartered in the state, but Women Lead Change has had the opportunity to expand beyond Iowa's borders, and we are completely focused on advancing women leaders. If I had to say in two words what we do, we are about workforce development. If you give me a couple more words, I'm going to say workforce development through a gender lens. And it turns out, Jeff, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Good leadership's good leadership. So that's why we're now Women Lead Change. So to that second point that you made, good leadership is good leadership. Tell me why in the year 2020 there is even a need for an organization that focuses on development through a gender lens. Yeah, it it just... Interestingly enough, the statistics still show us that women, in terms of leadership of our largest companies, our most powerful companies, companies in general for that matter, in leadership roles, C-suite positions, we still hover around 20%. Uh, And and that's great. I mean, I will take 20%, but what we know and what our smart business partners know is that they perform better when they have diversity of thought at the top, when they have different voices at the top. And we happen to look at um, men and women working together and have a, a pretty strong business case to back up that when men and women are at the table together in equal numbers, we get better return on investment. Is it always easy? Not always. Diversity at the top can be difficult. Uh, We know we can get lots of different discussions, different debates coming from different experiences, but we believe, as does McKinsey, the great researcher that can can prove, uh, the results are better when we have uh, women at the leadership table. Is it a conscious effort? And I would dare say historically there may have been a conscious glass ceiling put in place keeping people of a certain gender down. Is it so much conscious now, or is it, and I hate to say ignorance because that sounds right. We're not like here a to charged, indict. absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like a charged word, but right. is it people who just, frankly, don't know that they're imputing some older values into a contemporary discussion? I think that's more accurate. I think that's a great way to put it. And we talk a lot about gender intelligence now, and that's just acknowledging the ways that we work differently. Um, But, you know, to your point, I I say often, most people don't alienate others on purpose. I really believe that. I think, you know, the the male leaders I know that are um, on the bus, as I say, with Women Lead Change, those who work with us regularly and invest in us and invest in their team members to understand the value of diversity are smart enough to know that they don't know what they don't know. Um, For example, a woman, a, a vice president in a 
pretty impressive organization um, in Des Moines said to me, she was so, this was just last week, so frustrated because she's in a board meeting and there's a male CEO who's the board chair. She has two male colleagues sitting across the table from her in this meeting. And the two male colleagues are arguing about something. And this really smart CEO says to them, okay, girls, break it up. So is he the devil? Absolutely not. But does the female VP sitting across the table say, wait a second, was he just sort of backhandedly, unknowingly, unconsciously implying something not so great about girls? And he was. Um, so she politely pulled him aside afterwards. And like I said, again, being a great human, he listened intently and learned something. I think everybody learned something that day. But she was able to say, hey, I know you didn't mean to say it like this, but this is how this could be interpreted. It was enlightening for, for everybody. But those types of things don't happen intentionally. And I'm, I'm so glad. And you they don't that. happen if you don't have a diversity of voices at the table. Right, right. And now I guarantee you this gentleman will approach, probably won't say that again in a meeting, or at least we'll think about it. He might even notice it when someone else says something like that. And um, being the person I know he is would not be uncomfortable saying, hey, you know what? I learned something. That's not cool. Don't say it. So it really is incumbent, I think, upon all of us when we see these types of unconscious behaviors, um, not to just blank it, you know, write people off and indict because I truly, and I've been here almost five years in this work, um, intentions are usually in the right place. It's execution that they're oftentimes flawed and again, um, unknowingly. So anything we can do to shine a light on some of those conversations or um, point out the ways that men and women truly complement each other, um, the neuroscience backs up, uh, the, the innate, um, you know, skills we have, um, that can really help us and organizations perform at higher levels. So in that nearly five years, what is different about the organization other than its name? This has been a real time of growth and focus and development. It has been, and I think a lot of it has to do with the current culture in which we live. When the founders of this uh, organization came together, they merely wanted to elevate the conversation about women in leadership just get a few more people talking about it. I don't think they could have ever imagined uh, 14 years ago entire you know, leadership positions, chief diversity officer, for example. I can't imagine they would have thought that that would even exist. And that does exist, again, because it's a war for talent. And I know you hear this from, from businesses everywhere, at least not the, the number one or number two challenge. How do I get a great workforce? I don't care where they come from. I just want them. So the need for a talented workforce, in addition, I think, to you know generations asking for this too. We've got younger generations uh, that have been raised very differently. Their paradigm of equality is, is very different than, than uh, some, say, even in my generation. So I think the culture is, is what's really propelled uh, this organization and really strong business case for, um, again, and not just women, but diversity of thought at the leadership table. But how difficult is it to raise this issue when they're focused on bottom line and because some who approach the topic have a more strident message, shall we say, than what you have been laying out here? Mm-hmm. In other words, are you hampered by the sins of others or stereotypes? Uh, fair question. And, and I will be very honest and say that, for example, the hashtag MeToo movement, which um, is a part of that uh, a little more colorful conversation around women in the workplace that we've seen over the last two years. 
obviously served a great purpose and, and brought very important conversations into the vernacular that hadn't been there before. And or, as an organization, we've actually seen the result uh, in, in many ways was a pause on progress for us. What we found is there were individuals in male, uh, male sponsors, for example, who are ultimately, you know, if we've still got 80% uh, of leaders in this country, still men, we really need those male sponsors to help get these women, you know, tap them on the shoulder for these great positions. And what we found is often those sponsors, again, smart enough to, to know what they don't know. And it really put a pause on a lot of the conversations that were taking place across gender. For fear of being misunderstood, mislabeled, or yeah. why? I mean, I think what happened is you had men who were supporting up-and-comers who happened to be female in their organization um, as a sponsor, meaning they would, you know, they were willing to put their social capital and political capital on the line to say, hey, um, put this female individual into this role because she's fantastic. You know, that doesn't happen overnight. Oftentimes that's over business meetings, over coffee, you know, over a lunch. Uh, these relationships are formed oftentimes, you know, in the workplace, but away from the workplace. And those conversations really slowed, if not stopped in many cases, because um, really well-intentioned men were seeing other men that they thought were well-intentioned get skewered for something that they didn't themselves even recognized may have been perceived as, you know, out of line. So anyway, I do feel that some of those more strident messages, as you said, had the opportunity to set us back. And I, I, I feel more confident than ever two years away from the Me Too, height of the Me Too, that we've got male allies coming to us saying, you know, can we just move along now? And what do I need to know? How can I best support my workforce? Oh, and oh, by the way, there are plenty of women in that workforce. But how can I specifically support this under-leveraged group? Sort of like hitting the reset button, understanding there may have been certain things even within this organization or that organization, but let's try to wipe it clean and start fresh because... When you know better, you do better. Absolutely. And I, I know that can be hard. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a, again, it's an emotional, politically charged topic. But, um, you know, at what point are we going to say, you know, for all of us, we got to move forward. And how do we do that now? How do we do that together? Now that we've had these very frank conversations, anybody who's really good in this space will be honest and tell you it's a journey. Is every day going to be perfect? No. Is every human going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But, you know, let's level set and let's start looking at the ways that we can move forward together. So the organization has sponsored various events throughout the state, very well attended, big name speakers, you're not only continuing that aggressive agenda, but now that's expanding beyond the borders of the state in keeping with the still fairly new name. Absolutely. And, you know, the conferences and workshops that we produce bring in, you know, thought leaders from around the world, truly, to um, expose our leaders to, you know, what's possible oftentimes. They challenge us in the way we think. They educate us. And plenty of our speakers inspire as well. But in addition to those once-a-year conferences, we really have found a need for year-round development. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer to say, you know, those once-a-year events are extremely critical in reinforcing the leadership development we do all year long, but what can we do to support our partners all year? And so things like our Women Connect groups, which is a 
two-tiered chamber model, truthfully. It's the only membership model we have inside our organization organization where companies will say, we're going to pay an annual fee in order to get two of our senior leaders around the table with other like-minded females in their region to discuss strategic challenges you might face as a leader. What's our workforce culture like? What's our workplace structure like so that it can accommodate um, a diverse workforce. Those types of high levels happen on a monthly basis. And then out of those groups, uh, women lead change with our relationships, bring in quarterly programming that's open to all of their teams, as well as the public. So you've got the strategic and the tactical, but then we also have from these partners saying, I've got multiple teams within my organization that could use some support in, say, a diversity, equity, and inclusion space. What do you have for us? Is there something online? Who do you recommend? So very organically, we found that we are now the go-to for many of our partners in terms of internal leadership development opportunities, whether it be a workshop or a lunch and learn, uh, a meeting with an employee resource group. You know, we're finding our place inside these organizations as well as at those once a year and monthly events. Because you're the facilitator for a discussion because your credibility has been established to where they can trust to have you come in or as you mentioned with the other example, they'll pay so that their people can be a part of a group that you're facilitating, which has got to be gratifying because, again, very short period of time this has evolved. I know. It really is. But, again, very organically, Jeff. Mm -hmm. You know, we wouldn't have taken Iowa out of the name just very randomly. I mean, all this was a a process. Uh, We really – we operate like a startup. We operate like a business, first of all, but we operate like like a startup and that we – pay attention to the marketplace around us. And we considered our job to stay at the forefront of issues that are going to face our companies. Uh, We need to be the thought leaders in those spaces. We need to be the one they can call, and we need to have the relationships that if we don't have the expertise, we know who does have the expertise. Um, In addition, because of technology, we've been able to launch a program last year that is designed for that mid-level high potential, that pipeline that we hear is so thin. We've got leaders saying, I want a woman in the C-suite. Where is she? Well, we're going to help you get her ready. And this is a virtual program via platform called Adobe Connect that uh, is really designed for that mid-level high potential. We have team members from literally one in the UK um, using this programming, this, this 12-month educational program, because it's virtual. So technology is our friend. You mentioned early on in this conversation five years or so that you've been associated with it. So let me ask finally, what have you learned about yourself in that period of time in this role, which was very different than your past career as a journalist? I would say one of the most transferable skills I've learned is the ability to communicate and tell a story. And as you know, as a reporter, that's what we do every day. There's a little bit of marketing involved. I, I don't want to underestimate the marketing skills I got in trying to grab somebody's attention in two seconds or less while they're juggling chainsaws, we used to say in the newsroom. But the ability to tell a story and explain the why in a way that is easy to understand. Um, I, I often say we don't have puppies babies. You know, we don't have a really an obviously emotional case to make, but we have a really strong economic case to make. And being able to support it with research, support it with data, support it with our own stories of women who've attended our events that say, this changed the trajectory of my life. This Mm -hmm. changed the way I viewed what was possible. 
that's what I do every day. I share this, I share this story and I, I'm just about positive I wouldn't be as, as, uh, as able to do that had I not had 20 plus years of doing that. But what has it taught you about who you are? Well, you I, did a very nice job as a reporter deflecting <laughs> it because it's not supposed to be about the reporter. But You know, I think if you look at my life, I have not had many, I've not worked in many places. You know, I think I've worked in three places my whole life and for, for long times at each one of them. I'm a loyal, dedicated, you know, human for, for better or for worse, as they say. And what I have found is that this, I have learned that this job, I feel like everything I've done up till now has led me to this place. And I say that because I feel like that can, that can tell you how closely tied I am to this mission. I have two daughters. I've been a woman in the workplace. It would be very hard for me to ever work for anything that I didn't believe in. And I've learned that. Doing this, this job is for me my life. Again, for better or for worse. And, and how lucky, how lucky am I? Tiffany O'Donnell, CEO of Women Lead Change. Follow them on Twitter at WLC Global or online at WLCGlobal.org. We spoke in their offices in downtown Cedar Rapids on February 3rd, 2020. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. You can learn more about them online at iowaabi.org. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.